This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome everybody, welcome to the second Gallinac Masters Cycling uh, live webcast, which we'll also do as a podcast as well. I'm Norman Blissett, I'm your host uh, this evening. Um, I'm Scottish, as originally as you can tell, but live in, in Kent in England. And I'm delighted to welcome Chris Foggin, Foggy, from Central Otago in New Zealand. Good evening, Foggy. Good morning, all. Oh, it's morning here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are gonna, we're going to share stories, share inspiring stories um, of uh, from our riders around the world. We are going to uh, discuss motivation, so how you can keep motivated uh, when you're cycling. Uh, we're going to do our Rider of the Week, and we will look at great places to ride. So let's let's crack on with that. So what, what have you been up to over the last week or so, Foggy? What rides have you been doing? Um, yeah, so we, we've been pretty lucky. The weather's stabilised a bit um, down here in New Zealand. So usually get some pretty disruptive weather in spring. Um, Central Otago um, has been getting into the mid-20s um, and then dropping right down to freezing at night time sometimes. So we've been quite lucky anyway. Uh, good ride this week was um, a loop, which is a favoured, uh, I think I posted it on the, on the Facebook page, but it's a favourite training ride, um, which incorporates um, a bunch of gravel roads, some tar seal roads. Um, it can be up to about 80K, but this we, we shorten it to about um, a 52K ride. Um, which is sufficient for us on the gravel bikes, and it, it, there's some real good climbs in it as well. It's a beautiful part of the world. Um, it runs part of the uh, Central Otago Rail Trail. Um, it runs to um, through a place called Omakau, um, past a little village called Ofa, which was an old gold mining town. She's got some fantastic sort of history about it. Big climb up, and then down into the Ida Valley, and then along the floor of the Ida Valley, and then back up a climb, uh, into what's called Crawford Hills Road, which is all gravel. Um, the views are just spectacular up that way. There's 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 views right across the valley. Um, um, the other when you get to the tops, is the views across to the other side up to the Hector Mountains, um, which are miles away. Um, it, it's it's rugged terrain. It's it, uh, the Ida Valley, um, and the route that we take is mostly through almost desert-like um, scenery. These massive schist. Um, schist is like a is, is like a slate, um, but it's huge rock formations that have been shaped by the wind. Um, it's just a it's just a stunning place. Yeah, so that that was our, our main one this week. Yeah, I saw some photographs you posted in the on the group. It looked um, looked amazing. It was actually flatter than I imagined it to be. I thought that it was hillier, but I guess some parts of New Zealand are are, are relatively flat. No, that, that, that's my camera, mate. It flattens it out. Oh, does it? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I've been I, I've been around um, around Kent. I've had a bit of a rest, a couple of weeks uh, as I start to think about winter training. So I've I've eased it down. It's amazing how quickly the the pounds pile on 
when you're not when you're not doing much, I always forget to you know, like eat a little bit less. But anyway, there we go. Get get back fairly fairly quickly. But yeah, I've been I, on Saturday and Sunday. I had a couple of fantastic rides. I went out with my son son's cycling club, um, and we did a we did a cross ride on trail ride on um, Saturday morning. Sunday, I went out with a couple of their their faster guys. They age kind of age about 13, 14, and um, stars of the future. So I feel a little bit like you know, Teo Gagan Hart won the Giro d'Italia and uh, had been a was a, you know, a bit of a child prodigy when it came to cycling around London and lots of people knew him and anyway that's I'm I'm going to hang on to these two that I cycled with because I think they're going to be stars stars of the future so I'm going to go out and ride with them a few more a few more times um, fantastic uh, so let's let's get into sharing some of the stories that people have been posting on the. On on the group and on the Facebook page as well, and I've picked out picked out three of them that I want to share. So the first is I have to put my glasses on to be able to read them properly. Um, so the first is from Yvette, uh, and she said that in lockdown when the gyms closed, I bought a secondhand bike. I love it. Doing exercise outside feels so much better. Short rides she does on her own, but longer rides she goes with someone that's just not keen on riding on the road. She prefers cycle paths. It's getting more confident, fresh air puts her in mind of being by the coast and she's also treated herself to a new bike, which she's in love with. Um, so well done. I bet. Yeah, there's nothing better than getting a new bike because they're foggy. No, N plus one. N, N plus one. Well, I, I, I will explain N plus one just in case anyone doesn't um, know that. Yeah, so, so I think it's a worldwide um, equation used by cyclists, but N is the um, equivalent of the amount of bikes you have now and obviously plus one. And of course, you can change that. So if there's two of you that ride in the family, you go plus two. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I think these cycling couples where they both cycle, where both people cycle, um, it's fantastic. My my wife cycles a little bit, but it's not that, not nearly as enthusiastic as me. So I operate on the S minus one formula, which is. Um, where you get to one more bike, we'd end up in, in separation from your from your spouse. <laughs> so uh, I, I take anyway, that highly inappropriate. But there you go. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky, mate. <laughs> um, right, Doug. So Doug says bikes have always had a huge positive impact on. And I feel like Eric Morcom. Remember Eric Morcom used to do that with his um, glasses. <laughs> um, so bikes have always had a huge. But there's people here that will not know who Eric Morcom is. Imagine going through life not knowing who. Eric Morecambe was. But if you're listening, you don't know who he is, go and look him up. Fabulous. Um, from my childhood of the 70s, um, great great comedian. Um, so yeah, b- bikes have always had a huge positive impact on life. BMX during my youth in the 1980s and I gave it up, got married, became a dad, kept climbing but couldn't really have both. A year ago, I got an MTB and it's taken me further down the trail than, than climbing ever had and I can pursue it without pressure or need for comparison to others. I turned 51 in a week and rode the whole enchilada on October the 2nd. I feel like life has just begun. I think that, you know, that thing about rediscovering or um, if, you've, if you've been off the bike for a long time or, or even discovering it for the first time, that, sen- that sense that what have, I, what have I missed out on? Why didn't I start doing this earlier? I, I, when I got in, back into cycling about eight, ten years ago or so, that was exactly how I felt. But Foggy, you've, you've always been on the bike, haven't you? As long as I can remember, I've been on a bike of some sort. Um, and I, I can't actually remember a period where I, I haven't owned a bike or, you know, not been around one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jack says, thanks for the join. As a boy, I was out on my bike all the time. 
while I'm, I am, while employed, I cycled to seven miles back and forth to school on retiring. I bought a specialised tricross, but hardly had it out of the shed. But recently, in January, and he gives a timeline here, January 2020, finally decided that I had to agree on a knee replacement. February, surgeon agreed, but told Jack they needed to lose the weight he'd been um, putting on. Um, in March 2020, got his bike out of the shed, cleaned it, serviced it. Um, put it back in the shed, resting heart rate 74. Still not bad, resting heart rate 74. Um, and April 2020, COVID obviously came along, lockdown, only one hour exercise per day allowed. Then he accepted the challenge, 12 kilometres in one hour, four minutes. Knackered, he said, that's not bad for your first ride for um, for a long period and you're you know well overweight. Um May 2020, first 50 kilometer ride, first ride up Whiteways, and I mean up, I don't know where that is, but I'm, I'm imagining it's going to be a bit of a climb. July, first and only so far 100 kilometer ride, um, Strava 600 kilometer challenge accepted and achieved, 71st birthday in July, no operation on the horizon, three stone weight loss, cancer 500 mile fundraising achieved in September. Here we are in October, still going. Wait for this resting heart rate, 52. Amazing. So something good came out of this horrendous pandemic. Well, for Jack, it certainly, it certainly did. And I think for lots and lots of people who have, over the last seven months, discovered or rediscovered cycling, when, when, the, when the pandemic hit and when people started to venture out and I was going out on my bike, uh, we didn't have the same restrictions around here about getting getting out uh, like some countries did. Um, but um, but I, was, I saw... You know, people that I would never have imagined to see out on their bikes, all sorts of ages and shapes and sizes and gear and different bikes, mm. just getting out there and doing it. And it's not, it hasn't continued completely, but it's continued a bit. It's just wonderful to see Foggy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's worldwide. I mean, we've, we've seen a wave of it in New Zealand. We've had far less restrictions than anybody else, but um, even during the month of complete lockdown, people were allowed to ride locally. And it's, it, I mean, the bike shops here now running out of bikes, and that's how, yeah. you know, that's how big it's got. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to um, coaching tips. So, Foggy, you've you posted a tip about uh, looking backwards the other day. Tell us more about that. So, I I run a, a bit of a um, recreational um, blog here, which is just sort of connecting recreational riders, and there was a really good question from. Um, one of the members of the group who has a really stiff neck and there is um there are some well there are techniques that you can use to, to help you look behind and there, there is an issue with with looking around as you move on a bike as you know and bikes wobble i mean bikes wobble when you're in a straight line so when you start looking to or start moving your eyes around of course the, the bike will move in different directions so the idea of that was just to show people some techniques and, and just a, a bit of a quote actually that um that helps think about cyclists wobbling on bikes. But there was a Crown Court judge over in the UK who was once um, heard to quote during a trial that every cyclist is allowed their wobble, which is very true. Um, however, if you excessively wobble into traffic or you, you know, this sort of thing, it, it, it obviously can be a problem. So the idea of um, sharing that post was just to show you some different techniques other than using a mirror. So obviously there are mirrors available to go into the bar ends. Um, lots of cyclists use them. There's no issue with that at all. The caution I would suggest that you've just got to be a little bit careful with mirrors is they have blind spots, the same as car mirrors, the same as truck mirrors. 
Um, so you still probably should be trying to get a view as well as using the mirror. Um, the, the couple of techniques that I shared as one is to bring your chin down to your um, shoulder and that will give you a sort of a, a, quite a good peripheral vision view um, over the back of your shoulder or, or behind you rather. And the other one is, is actually one that a lot of professional cyclists use is to bring your chin down to your chest and look under your arm. Yeah. And that, that, that is, was used quite a lot in bunch riding uh, and racing where they, they just want a quick view of who's behind them or who's next to them. But it actually works quite successfully whether you're on wide bars you know, 800 wide mountain bike bars or you're on narrow um, road bike or gravel bike bars, you can just get a view underneath just to give you a sense straight away. Um, you know, the other one is to turn in your saddle. Um, that, that can obviously excessively move your bike. And that's why we say try and stabilize yourselves by grabbing the back of your bike uh, and being caught. It takes practice because at the end of the day, as soon as you look away or you look right or you look left, your bike will move that way. So you need to practice it. Um, so it, it, it goes alongside the, the, I think the piece I shared about where you look, the bike will go. Yeah. Um, and obviously we don't want people getting knocked off their bikes. So, you know, using these techniques to ride defensively, um, to, to make sure you're getting a view of what's around you. Not only that, if you're riding down a trail, it's a good way of getting a view of the, you know, the awesome views you've got around you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so just, just practice it. I mean, now it sounds simple. But it's um it's actually a fundamental skill. It is to to be able to look around and and see the traffic around you and be able to do that safely. I think that's yeah. uh, the key to it is just what you said at the end. I think which is practice, and you're never you're never too old to learn a new a new trick. I mean, I I I wasn't very good at track stands. I mean, I've ridden for quite a long time and um, always kind of consider myself a reasonably skilled rider but struggled to do track stands so when when lockdown hit i decided right in two weeks i'm going to teach myself how to do a track stand now i can now i could do it for minutes um, and it's just it's pure i did it in the garden i just you know i practice yeah. and practice so it's the same same with these skills of looking behind uh, don't 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 try it out on a busy road no. <laughs> go and practice it on a little back road or in a quiet car park or something like that where you've got a bit of space yeah. and you're safe and just practice it so if you have a wobble you're, you're not going to be Effective. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, the other thing I advise is that you, you do it. Yeah, obviously in that safe environment, but do it out of sight of others so you feel comfortable. Yeah. Because as adults, um, if we're talking to the audience here as adults, then adults tend to be a little bit more not intimidated is not the right word, but certainly a bit more cautious about who they uh, or you know where they would practice stuff and who they would practice stuff in front of. So just go on quiet space, park somewhere. You know. Uh, you know. Um, grassy park somewhere and, and out of sight yeah Definitely. good advice yeah I think that I, mean, I, I certainly felt that when I was getting back into cycling I was quite self-conscious about my inexperience um, and lack of knowledge and lack of skill but actually when I got when I became more experienced and knowledgeable I realised that well that's just the learning thing and that's not no one no one's yeah. that bothered about it it's just you, you know in your head isn't it well it is but the, the, if you if you sort of um, um, uh look at that and from a gym's perspective a lot of people won't enter into a, a formal gym mm. because they're intimidated by what they perceive um the clientele are going to be like in there you know there's going to be super fit gym bunnies in there doing whatever and actually when you do enter a gym and get used to it there's all shapes and sizes and levels of fitness um but that, it's just overcoming that first hurdle but certainly do it do it so you're comfortable that's the key yeah. thing yeah and for you 
Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. The, the other tip that I just want to throw in and, and see what you think of this, Foggy, is about when you're when you're out on the road, and particularly when you're on a a busier road or on a road that's a bit twisty, is I discovered quite early on. Well, I I got got read some advice about it. Is where you position yourself on the road to keep yourself safe, and the temptation for most cyclists is to go right into the curb and be uh, uh, so that you're 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 keeping away as much as possible from cars. But actually, the best thing that you can do is stick yourself out, you know, a meter and a half, two meters from the curb, and hold that space because it forces cars to sit behind you rather than trying to overtake you in in more dangerous places. So. And most drivers are fine with it. You get the occasional driver that, you know, we, we have a lot of that, in the, in, especially in the southeast of England, of drivers who are triggered by cyclists, unfortunately. But most, most drivers are fine, quite respectful. But, but holding your position in the road in that way actually makes you safer. Uh, totally. Uh, 100% agree. Um, so that's from the Northern Hemisphere right down to the Southern Hemisphere, where the... the the bike ability program in the UK advocate for that. Um, the the bike ready program, which is uh, the national program in New Zealand, advocate for that. And it, it, about a meter out, roughly from the side of the road, um, roughly about a meter out from parked cars as well, so you don't get doored. Yeah. The thing at the side of the road is it's, it's visibility. Um, it's riding, so you're in a position that's uh, visible. Um, it's assertiveness to a degree, and it's keeping you out of all the rubbish that gets thrown to the side of the road, of course, yeah. and on the, the broken bits and the holes and bottles and stuff. Um, so totally agree with that. Yeah, something about almost behaving, in some ways behaving like you're driving a car, but obviously being very aware of your own vulnerability as a, as some, you know, yeah. as a, as a bike user rather than a car driver. Yeah, well, we, we, we've actually used a, a term here with our ride leader program to be the car. Uh, obviously, we don't, we're, we're not encouraging cyclists to block traffic. But what we are doing is encouraging cyclists to to move early, take the lane, and be the car when they need to be at intersections and and, uh, and places, so they don't get squeezed by cars. Yeah. And well, say that's wrong. Don't get squeezed by drivers. Um, most most drivers are are pretty pretty good around cyclists. Um, you know, it's just messaging then, so to the ones who are being idiots around cyclists. But certainly, don't ride timidly. If you ride timidly, you will get squeezed. Yeah. And I, one, other, one other thing that I, that I do is when somebody's had to sit behind me for a while and been patient, as I always thank them, I always give them a wave. Oh, of absolutely. Yeah. I think just yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's move on. One of, one of the things I've read a lot from our riders or members that have been posting is around motivation. So it's yeah. motivation right at the start. So when you're thinking about getting back on the bike, and you're you're struggling to do it. You're struggling to motivate yourself to do it. But also those more experienced ones, which just sometimes have periods where they can't get out of the door, or it's really tough to get out of the door. So I know you've got some good tips for uh, for people who struggle with motivation for you. Yeah. So I'll I'll try and um, I'm really lucky because I, I actually coach um, or train coaches, um, but still coach riders as well. So that it, I, I get to see it from different perspectives, and coaches often are unaware of how to motivate riders as well but i think i think really a rider needs to look at motivating themselves um rather than relying on somebody else and i think the first thing to do is the way i would look at it is set yourself the purpose what are you doing it for um i mean for me it's about fitness and staying on the planet longer 
But for you, is it is it the same thing? Is it you want to lose weight? Is it, is it fitness? Is it health? Uh, is it mental health? Um, is it something that you you're looking to achieve uh, in terms of completing an event? Um, do you just want to ride socially with your mates um, or with your family? So what's the purpose? So what what, what is your first initial goal? And uh, set that, and then decide why we're doing this. And then what I would suggest is um, take ownership of your own environment. So that the the, the, the term that I head that up with is autonomy. Um, you know, you need to be free to make your own decisions. So even if you are being coached, uh, a really good coach would allow you to do that, to be free to to um, discover what's the best way for you to do something rather than somebody telling you how to do it. So that there's lots of advice out there on the best ways to do things, but everybody's different. So, you know, have the autonomy to take charge and look after yourself and problem solve for yourself. I've got a really good quote. So some of you will, will know the best sport in the world um, other than cycling is rugby. And some of you will know that obviously New Zealand wins everything and is the best team in the world. And some of you will know that Sir Graham Henry used to be um, uh, the All Blacks coach. So, uh, just after winning the 2011 World Cup, he said, I was just a resource there to offer guidance and advice ideas. Empowering my players to take charge of their own environment was the achievement of which I was most proud. So that to me says a lot from, you know, from a, a senior coach in, in a sport. I think another thing is to, um, is to be as creative as you can be. So what we talk about being creative is look for different places to ride, um, you know, People generally, if they're creative, they see the world differently anyway. And I think cyclists are a bit like that. I think cyclists see the world differently to a lot of people because of the fact is they're in nature, they're out there, um, they're more in touch with stuff that's going on around them, etc. So I think just be as creative as you can be. And a little bit of a, uh, a story and a joke. Um, I once mentioned uh, in a uh, sort of quite a serious meeting with the New Zealand Recreation Association um, that that I often cross-dressed as a cyclist. And of course, the meeting then fell apart into raucous laughter as to what on earth is this lunatic talking about? And what I was trying to say is that I don't stick to the traditions of, um, uh, you know, if you're on a road bike, you must wear Lycra. If you're on a mountain bike, you must wear baggies. Um, my favorite ride at the moment is a gravel bike and you cross over. So we have, you know, SPD pedals. We, we wear mountain bike helmets, but we wear Lycra and we ride off road. So it's the, it's the crossover between um, uh, the, you know, the sort of codes, if you like. So just be creative about that and how you go and don't worry about what people think. Uh, and be careful as well. If you do Google the cross-dressing cyclist, you get some strange stuff coming up. Yeah, still don't Google it. Stay, yeah, stay, stay, stay clear of it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd, 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 I'd sort of offer as well is um, front load some difficulty into what you do. So if you're finding that you're not being challenged, then, then actually do it yourself. Look for something that's a little bit more difficult, but still within your ability to achieve. So is that riding a further 10K? Is that riding an event today, which is further than I've ever been before or is more difficult than I've done before? Is that um, that I want to try and, um, uh, you know, there's a hill section on a particular ride that I do that I want to do it within a certain amount of time, whatever it might be, just just upload some difficulty for yourself to keep yourself slightly challenged. Um, and, you know, being able to achieve that and having that positive experience will also keep you motivated. And the last point I'd say is mastery. Mastery is not about Olympic medals. It's not about Commonwealth medals. It's not about being an elite rider. Mastery is about 
you achieving something for the first time. So that could be that you've let go of the bike with your left hand for the first time ever and signal that could be mastery. Mm. So look for something that you need to master and try and get to that point and just do it in little chunks all the time. That that would be my my main sort of um, focus, I think, in terms of motivation. Yeah, excellent. That's It's really interesting because I, in my other life, I run a leadership development company and the, the basis of so much of our work is around four principles. And the four principles are that if you want to be motivated, if you want to motivate people, you give them purpose, you give them autonomy, you give them mastery so that they develop the skills to do well in their jobs, but succeed in their careers, career ambitions. And then the other one is relationships. So you enable them to build really good connections and relationships. So it's, a, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's the same, you know, the same principles are apply and, I, and certainly from from my perspective things that i do just two things that i do that have, that have the best effect for me in addition to what you've you've said so one is if i'm really if i really can't be bothered but i know i'm going to go out i'll just say uh, i can cut it short i can just go for half an hour yep. and i can come back so i'm not going to put any pressure so invariably 15 minutes i'm loving it and you know i'll go off for forever <laughs> and the, the other one is the it's a bit like the public commitment you know i'm gonna i'm gonna whatever it is i'm gonna stop smoking or drinking or whatever you make that public commitment don't you you say i'm yep. this is what i'm going to do so it's, it's it's more difficult to step back from it if you arrange a ride with friends so i do this my my classic is my get my long sunday rides in i struggle to get out by myself in a cold winter sunday morning but if i booked in to meet mates at nine o'clock wherever at waitrose or whatever supermarket car park then you 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 know you've got no there's no excuse you have to you yeah. have to go so that's another good way of doing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, excellent. So Foggy, you've been looking at some of the rides and the riders in our group over last week, uh, and you've got someone who you want to nominate for rider of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I think just if this group um, continues to offer uh, what they're offering in terms of the stories, I think it's just awesome. I mean, it's a Good old Kiwi word, that awesome. Um, but it is, it's just fabulous to, to read them. And one one particular person who stood out for me, and this is just just because it resonated with me from the background that I've got in the fitness industry and helping people to lose weight over the years and years and years um, that have done that as well. But it is a guy called Rich from Snowdonia um, who has lost 12 and a half stone in 16 months. And a lot of that was due to riding his bike. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and well done so good effort yeah well done well done um rich and i i yeah i i, I picked him out earlier and and just a few more things about him so he said he cycled a lot as a younger man lost his way ended up partying too much and in a mess um, but he's lucky enough to live in snowdonia, snowdonia cycled around two and a half thousand miles in the last six months and road bike started back on the mountain bike and, and the last thing that he says says, I think it has saved my soul. And yep. it's that, they're just fantastic. And we had Stuart Nixon from Ayrshire in Scotland on last week, and he told his story of the, the battles that he had with his fitness and his weight and his mental health and how much cycling had changed that. Um, I think this is a common theme that we're seeing here, Foggy, especially yep. with men, not, not just with men, but especially with men, is that perhaps losing their way a bit and, and you know, feeling really low in the 30s and 40s and then as you as you start to get a bit older you start to 
think I need to do something different here. I need to have a different lifestyle and you get on the bike and lo and behold, your life changes. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's lovely to see. And that's worldwide. You know, we're seeing this in your, you know, in this, uh, this particular group is worldwide. Uh, it's just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations uh, to Rich. You are our Rider of the Week. I will be getting in touch with you and, and we'll be able to send your golden bead on off to you. Uh, so hope you're looking forward to that. Uh, so it's my turn now. I'm going to do the great place to ride. Uh, it was it was the Isle of Mull last week. And to be honest, if it had been me nominating it rather than Stuart Nixon, I probably would have nominated the Isle of Mull as well because I absolutely love it there. Although this time of year, I have to say, be a bit challenging riding on the Isle of Mull in the pouring rain and gale force winds and not actually being able to see anything. That's what you say about these great places. <laughs> that the scenery is fantastic. But I remember years ago, once having some visitors over from America and taking them up to see Glencoe and the Highlands and the cloud level was at about 100 feet and you couldn't see, you could barely see it at the windscreen of the car. So it's, oh, what, what's impressive about this? So yeah, sometimes in Scotland, the weather's a bit um, a bit dep- you know, dependent uh, on, on how good the ride is. But anyway, this week I would like to nominate a place in Italy called Piedmont, at Piedmont, and that is right up in the northwest of Italy, and particularly between Milan and Turin. Um, and I was the reason I want to nominate it is I was I was there. I was lucky actually to be able to get away for a bit of a summer holiday this year, and we ended up by chance, not by design, but by chance, in that area near Asti and Alba. Um, coincidentally, Alba is the Gallic word for Scotland, so I was very impressed to see Alba. <laughs> Uh, that works quite close to um, Alba. And just amazing cycling around there, fantastic roads, generally in really good nick, pretty wide. Um, there's, yeah, there's a bit of traffic, but it's pretty quiet, really. There's the, the there's not that many cars about. And the drivers that were there, in the two weeks that I cycled there, and I did a lot when I was there, I never had any hassle. I, all the drivers gave me gave me space and were courteous and gave me, you know, gave me time. And so, so just fantastic. Not what, not what you imagine the stereotype of Italian driving is, I have to say, but it was com- completely, completely the opposite to that. Vineyards everywhere. We stayed in a, lucky to stay in a, partly because of COVID, everything was dirt cheap. So we picked up this beautiful villa with a swimming pool and we had these amazing views over vineyards as far as you could see. So cycling was like that, up and down these hills, through these vineyards, Every hilltop had a medieval, amazing medieval village with you know a, a church right at the top of it and beautiful buildings and little cafes. Um, and there's enough flat there. If you wanted to go for a flat ride, you could do that. If you wanted to do some short steep climbs, they were there. There were some longer half hour climbs. And you got to the top of those, then views were just absolutely absolutely stunning so and you're not far from france and switzerland there so if you're going for a bigger holiday you could do you know a good trip up to the french alps and up to switzerland as well as getting down to the mediterranean around nice and um san remo and and monaco and those places as well so that is um, that is my great place to ride for this week and what i'm going to do is i'll do a bit more research on that get a few more photographs some of which i've taken when i was there on holiday but i'll get a few more out and do the same as we did for Mull on the website and showcase that um, as well. So that, so there we go. Uh, and I think that's us, that's us coming to an end of this webcast and podcast, Foggy. Any any final thoughts you want to leave with us? 
Uh, no, I just, I, I think just get out, have fun, enjoy the ride while you can. Um, you know, just uh, anything to do with bikes is great fun. So I'll just get out there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Get out there and do it. That's the best advice. That's the only advice really, isn't it? <laughs> that, yeah. we, that, that we need. So we'll be back the same time next week with more inspirational stories from our riders around the world. We'll be sharing tips and advice to get fitter and love life on the bike and and to showcase great places to ride. So thanks, Foggy. Great to speak to you again and great to great to have your insights as always. No worries, pleasure. Okay. And goodbye, everyone.